0: The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. We just
1: said that number 23 is a great number. Isn't that Michael Jordan's number? I only know this because I'm not a sports fan, but I think that my kids, when we moved to Chicago, were like 23 and that's all you, Jenny boss, <laughs> you are episode 23. And it is a great number because when I came across you and then had the opportunity to meet you, I was just like, you know, where have you been all my life? I mean, seriously, yes, yes. It's, it's like, it's the most refreshing voice. In the world of careers. And in case you guys don't know Jenny Foss, first and foremost, she has been in the career space for a very long time. And when I say that, I mean that in the way that she has been able to evolve, not just herself, but really move with marketplaces. And in her most recent book called, do this, not that, where you're going to talk a little bit about why she was chosen to write this book. And also as a course leader through LinkedIn Learning, she has dozens of courses and a number of new ones that are in production right now. So to say she's a thought leader is like an understatement. And Jenny Foss, thank you so much for, for being here today and just being all you, all the time. I am
2: very grateful for the intro. And I really just have to say, 23! (laughs) Very glad to be lucky number 23.
1: Yes, you are. And, you know, being in this space and having so much information, sometimes that information is no longer valid. And sometimes you have seen you know, the, what you thought was going to happen is just completely, it, 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 it's it's like, like a blur, right? We, you've gone through recessions, you've gone through heydays, you've gone through ins and outs, ups and downs, backwards and forwards. Tell us today, what is so unique about where we are right now? And what is the impact of this market at this time for those in transition? Ooh,
2: one of the big things that's going on right now, and this started during COVID and continues now, is we as a collective have really started to rethink, am I really where I want to be? Where do I want to be? And how do I get there? And that could be because, you got furloughed or laid off during COVID. That could be because when we all collectively had our lives flashed before our eyes, we thought, "Okay, I'm not making the most out of my life. What should I be doing?" Whatever those reasons, we're seeing that turning point right now professionally, and, and one of the things that we're seeing as as a result of that or on the heels of that is the idea around a. Portfolio career where you're not putting all your eggs in one basket anymore, one career or one full time job. You're diversifying your income streams so that you have maybe a little bit of a safety net. If one's not going well, you have these other things going on. But also, they give us an opportunity to expand our skills, do things that we're really interested or passionate about, and learn and grow in the ways that we realize that we want to now. So Mm. I would say that is one of the biggest things that that I'm seeing in what I do.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. One of the pieces that I talk about so often as I'm talking to prospects and candidates and, and people in the marketplace is to remind themselves that they are a product and service in this universe called the hiring world right? And that they come to the table with a set of skills, XYZ and their personality, you know, who they know as part of their network, but they are literally there as a product and service. And so what you're saying as far as a a portfolio of their career is basically like how to omni-channel yourself.
2: (laughs) That's exactly true. That's exactly true. And It sounds scary, I think, to some people who really just never envisioned anything but I'm going to grow old at this one company, I'm going to rise the ranks and then retire. But I actually feel like it's pretty exciting when you consider how much control this gives you over your career and how it allows you to expand and grow and learn and challenge yourself in ways that maybe you just. Can't realize in that more traditional one job. Exactly so for me, it's very cool and exciting.
1: I hope that you know this number. I don't remember it offhand, but the percentage of people that now have a quote unquote side hustle, I think it's it's like well over fifty percent.
2: It's high. I don't know the exact number, but I know it, it's. I think you're right. It is over fifty. Something around. 70 or 80, like, is yes. coming into my brain, but I don't quote me on that. And the audience, <laughs> I'm just is, throwing it out there.
1: No, I know it's very high. And one of the audiences that's leading that trail are Gen, are Gen Zers, right? Yeah. They wouldn't be caught dead just, you know, kind of playing by the rules and doing this one thing and correct, you know, kind of making the donuts. It's just not part of their DNA. So, I Has such a good point about portfolio careers. As a LinkedIn Learning Park offering all of these courses, resume makeovers, writing cover letters, video interviewing tips, plus being this amazing contributor across so many different publications. Why did you get asked to write this book, Do This, Not That? And why did you accept? (laughs)
2: <laughs> because I'm crazy. You no. Know? <laughs> okay, I really it. needed another job. Like I needed a hole in my head, like when they came to me. But um Simon and Schuster, which is the publisher, had an idea for a series of books, do this, not that, with various topics, various life topics. Do this, not that career, which is mine, do this, not that dating, which Unfortunately, they did not ask me to write. (laughs) I would have been wholly unqualified. Oh, no, they should have come to me.
1: I have a lot of experience in this area. Definitely.
2: So they came to me because they understood the breadth of my experience and knowledge, I believe. And certainly there were opportunities online for them to observe what my style and writing skills were. Um, so when they asked me to, to do the writing test, which is what ultimately led to my being hired for it, we were in the midst of developing a course. We had a number of other projects in motion for 2022, which is when I wrote the book. And I thought, oh my gosh, I am not going to be able to squeeze this in. But then I thought, how often does a major publisher approach you with a great idea? I thought it was a great idea for a book. And so we we dropped a few of our other plans for the year and I wrote it, yeah.
1: I'm so glad that you did. And this, I guess you could call it push-pull, is always something that I question, right? There's people that say that they are job coaches, right? and The coaching philosophy, as I understand it, is, hey, by the way, you have all the answers inside of you, right? And we, as the coaches, are going to pull this out of you, and you're going to be able to access whatever that is. And then there are other people that are job coaches that have definitive ideas and methodologies like I do myself that say, well, wait a second. You know, that's all fine and well. But what about the timetable that you're under? And also, what about what is really happening in the marketplace? How do you find a way to blend these two things so that you're not just taking orders and at the same time, you're also not just floating out in space? So I'm curious how you reconcile between kind of the traditional model known as coaching. And this idea of do this, not
2: that? That is a tremendously great question. So, Mm -hmm. and it's something that evolves, I think, for me in the way that I advise others and support others. First and foremost, every individual is different. So you need to factor in who they are, what their background is, what their goals are, what their threshold for risk is the economics of their situation, there are all those things that go into it. So surely you want to spend the time I do to understand kind of the the holistic view of each person that we coach and represent and help them help themselves, which is that kind of pure coaching mindset and, and take the time that's needed to do that. but. I will say that my practice leans more toward action versus ponder. So Mm. you can sit around all day and night and week and month and think about what color your rainbow or your parachute is, which is important. But if you don't ultimately then pull the trigger and and do something with that information, what good is it to know? You you know, here's my Enneagram, here's my Myers-Briggs. So, and adding an additional layer to that, we as a collective today, based on a number of reasons, we have the attention spans of, of gnats. I mean, we just, we, we want things to be instant gratification, instantly accessible. And so I do try to factor in, I assume people want some quick wins, even if they're progressing towards something that's going to take more time. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you and I are from a very similar school of career guidance, direction, action, and results. I think that the hardest thing about being in a job search for so many is that it feels like you're in a dark room looking for a light switch. And that's not to say that, you know, we're the boss of you or anything like that. I think it's more like this is based off of our experience. This is what we see drives traction. This is what we see is really effective. This is what we see is going to move your needle. And so, you know, take it or leave it. But if you're paying us to to work with you, we're only going to bring you the best of the best every single time. So. I think everything that you said is both true and actionable. You have to obviously be able to assess the tolerance and and an appetite for what works for this person may not work for another person. But I think that, especially at the senior level, and I know you work with a lot of senior people, it's like, you know, this time is money and they have a mission to achieve, not just, you know, kind of meandering around in, you know, various opportunities.
2: And I think something that helps me and and I know helped you too is having been at this for the number of years that we have, we've seen so many variables and worked with so many stakeholders, whether that's recruiters or hiring managers or HR people I, I'll i say we, we understand the ins and outs very deeply. So it's it's very natural and I don't want to say easy because what we do is not easy, but I can share those trends. And like you say, this is what I see could unfold here or this has worked for this other person in a way that people who maybe haven't seen so many variables and worked with so many different people can yet do. So that, you know, what I'm really saying, Lauren, is being old in this industry really pays off. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I, I'll wear my,
1: I'll wear all my years and experience. It's, I don't really have any issue. What I love about your book, because I'm like a little obsessed with your book, because I love the way that it's formatted. I love the easy kind of referencing opportunities you know jump to here do it's 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 just so clean and clear but on page 10 you have this suggestion and how to use this book and you say that if you want to get your phd in career management read this cover to cover which i love so tell us why this book is able to help in such a profound way, and why you guys structured it, I say you guys or you women, structured it, be it Simon and Schuster, and you put it in this in this particular format because it is unlike any other, certainly career book I've ever seen. But why was that designed and what was it serving for that audience?
2: So the book, the the listeners understand, is 81 two-page lessons on various workplace topics, whether that's finding a job, settling into a new job, working to get a promotion, dealing with troubling situations in the workplace, et cetera. So each lesson Will help you. So, so going to your question, why is, why is this so helpful? Because it covers a lot of ground very quickly in very actionable ways. So let's say I am dealing with a coworker who I think really sucks and I don't know how to manage our relationship. Or every time I'm going into the office, I'm getting a stomach ache because I don't even want to be around her. So I can go to that two-page lesson and very quickly learn, do this, don't do that, say this. So here are some thought starters that might help you start a conversation to to drive some resolution. And then it has, think about this for after. So it helps you in the moment of Mm -hmm. all these various career and workplace situations but then also is designed to help you think about where do I take this from here? So it's not just like, everything is simple. It's just a two page answer and then you're done. Right. That's not what we're saying.
1: Exactly. One of the ones that I picked out that we're going to talk about in a minute. I love these questions because I don't know if you like lifted verbatims, but it's plain speak. It's like exactly the way you would either say it out loud or think it out, think it in your head. And this one like really resonated with me because I could just hear somebody say, oh no, I botched the interview, but I really want this job. Yes. And what comes up for me is this thing that we all have, the IC, the inner critic, right? That gets really loud. And so tell us about not just how to quiet the, that noise in that voice, but what is your suggestion in this place? Because this is such a common, a common thing. And by the time you get to that interview, whether you've overprepared or, or just like have that kind of yearning and burning to, to land, it it just has to feel crazy awful. If you are not landing on the surefootedness that you would
2: like to I think how do you, there are a how lot of do you rectify ways. that? Right. Well, understanding a universal truth is that we are all our own worst critics. So even that person you're looking at that seems to have it all put together and never worries about a thing. Sure, they do. They they second guess themselves. They wonder if they did or said something dumb, but they're managing it in a way that doesn't impede them. So So know that if you can get a handle on it, knowing that you're not the only person that is second guessing yourself or terrified that you sounded or looked dumb and also realize that a lot of times people didn't even notice. And that's in the book. Like ask yourself, did I really screw something up here or am I just being incredibly hard on myself when in fact I'm human? So so that's one thing to for sure do, but unless you've done something just horrific, like offensive or that needs an apology, right? Like I burped in the interview or something like that. (laughs) That would be totally me. Um, (laughs) you one thing you could do is your thank you note is always a wonderful place to do a little bit of damage control but don't go overboard on this so you don't need to have a seven paragraph explanation of something but what you could say is thank you very much i enjoyed our conversation listen after we hung up on the zoom call i got to thinking about your question related to marketing automation and I realized that I, I didn't mention X, which is something I did in my last job. So I just wanted to mention it to you um, as I was thinking about it. Hope to hear from you soon. Let me know if you have any questions. So mm-hmm. if you under answered a question or forgot something or panicked, thank you. No, it can be great. Or even in the midst of your interview, if you're like, oh, my gosh. It is, I'm totally screwing up this answer. There is nothing, there is no rule that you can't stop for a second and say, would you mind if I start again on this answer? I am so excited to be here. I think that my mouth got ahead of my brain and I'd like to just kind of reset. Is that okay with you? Who's gonna say no to that, right? What I love about
1: this Is first of all good self awareness. I want to be that person that's like, "Hey, whoa! Like, stop the stop the presses here! Like, let me just pull it together." I would so respect somebody that was able to do that. And I also like the damage control in the thank you note. I have said this so many times, but I think it's so true. Just because the interview is over doesn't mean the decision has been made. And there's a window. There's that window that happens after you leave the interview and you're thinking, oh, you know, everything's out of my control at this point. That's not true. And a great thank you note or follow
2: up. Ooh, that could be a serious game changer. I always say there's so much about career change and job search that is out of our control, but there's a lot that is in your control. So in the ideal circumstance, you're focusing Doing everything you can control to the very best of your ability and letting the rest go, which I know it's hard to do the letting the rest go part, but you sure can do everything that you can control to the absolute best of your ability. The other favorite of mine is on
1: page 178. And this one is one that comes up all the time, and you have a great do this around this. So the question is, or the query is, you need to figure out if it's time to find a new job. And, you know, I see, and I know you do too, you know, people that are either in current jobs that they hate and probably have been really unhappy for an extended period of time and have either golden handcuffs or whatever reasons why that they have been putting up with this. And one of your do this, you call, the Sunday test. What is that test?
2: If you're in a job that every Sunday or every the day before you go back to work, you start feeling anxious or snapping at your family or really dreading what is to come. I mean, do you want to do that every week? If you're feeling those feelings the day before you're heading back to work, pay attention to those. Pay attention and and think about what exactly is going on inside of me. And if I don't want to experience this every week, what again going back to the what can I control? What should I do? What what now? I mean, I get golden handcuffs. I do. People get nervous and have obligations. And there's prestige, I think, that comes with a lot of those high-paying jobs. But if you're miserable every Sunday, is it worth it? And taking that one step further, what is it doing to your health overall in the long term?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: The expression
1: Sunday scaries, I I, I must have been like the last person on the planet to hear that. But when I did, I was like, oh, my God, I had that for literally a million Sundays. And I would start to get that anxiety towards the end of day on Saturday because I knew that Sunday morning would come. And so it would kick in very early. And I hear people regularly saying, oh, you know, I just have too many things that will prohibit me from leaving this job and periodically i will say you know what messages do you think that those are sending to yourself and what messages might they be also sending to your kids who at some point in their life may may want to also be working and thinking that that's a recipe for what a career looks like and so you know i really and 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 we could spend li- literally a whole another podcast talking about the consequences and risks to that and it's usually after people have experienced you know whether it's the burnout or the physical uh detriments to their health or lost relationships or whatever that is um not to mention the frenemies that, that that can develop over time because you're just so unhappy. And I know that that Sunday test is, is not to be taken lightly. So, you know, at the end of the day, you got to get honest with yourself and, and how long are you going to, you know, need to do another retest? I know
2: them for so many Sundays and have gotten to the point where you're like, this is normal. Everybody does this. Everybody feels this on Sundays. I I will be the first one to say, no, they do not. They don't. And you don't have to. But if you are there and don't want to feel that way, you have to come up with the, the pathway out.
1: And maybe part of that inquiry is also, when was the last time I felt like skipping to work on Monday right? So really to benchmark those two things against each other, because that might also be equally revealing if you've been doing the Sunday thing for so long and you forgot what it was like to actually get jazzed about going to work. I wanted to ask you this because the book is so comprehensive and so thorough, and I know it had to have been like a beast to work on. But if you could add one thing, one thing right now, Right now, like in this moment, in this season, in this part of the year, that you would add to another do this, not that, what do you think that that would be?
2: That's something around how to respond when your employer who said, we're going to be remote forever, is now telling you. It's time to come back to the office, everyone. Or I may have added a lesson around what we started this conversation with around the portfolio career, because I've had a lot of conversations over the last several months with with clients who are either working toward that or they actually already have that, but they're trying to optimize it so that they're making the most out of their time for their their goals and their enjoyment
1: so let's pick number one because i think that is also <laughs> to
2: the answers on that one huh booby
1: <laughs> trap right you've actually built your life around this promise that you could work remote forever airbnb or whoever else you want <laughs> <laughs> work anywhere <laughs> work anywhere at any time and now oops sorry we're changing our minds So now that you have a whole life designed to do this remote office thing, your house is set up, you don't have to commute, and now you find out that's no longer the case, how do you respond? What's the do this?
2: If you do want to stay with that employer, consider putting together a compelling proposal that would map out the the ROI, if you will, of of your employer allowing you to continue with the arrangement because there are plenty of people who are very valuable and if they, and, and like their job, So who knows that could work. There are companies who just have now the hard and fast policy so that would not work but it's certainly worth a try to put together a thoughtful proposal that outlines the benefits to that company. You might want to consider pitching a phased approach where you're phasing out of that role on a slow roll. So it gives you time to find another remote, fully remote role. Or you could consider pitching, working on a consultative basis for that same organization where you're an independent contractor doing project work so that rule would not apply to you because you are not a entire employee mm-hmm.
1: and what's the don't do
2: that <laughs> don't just up and quit the minute you hear that because there may be options that aren't just like pull the plug now uh don't get pissy about it because that's just not going to be a good reflection of you and also could minimize the chance that they would actually work with you. So try not to be reactive. Don't be reactive. That's my other don't. Um and don't ever believe another employer who says it'll always be remote. <laughs> that, that's a yeah. really depressing don't. No,
1: but you know. I think the thing is that we have learned about how much change happens in life. And then, of course, it gets mirrored in the labor market and the hiring scenarios and this and this and this. You know, there's nothing that stays static in, in this process other than you being a Plus 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 A plus candidate. You should always be striving for that and building relationships. Those are the two yes. things that will, will never go out of style. Because, as another previous guest says, you know, people hire people, and I, I never know want you to guest
2: pers- was Hannah Morgan. Yes. yes,
1: exactly. <sighs> and so, you know, in this, do this, don't do that. I think it's so important to be able to have this as an important reference guide to be able to at your fingertips understand both the upsides and the consequences if you just like decide to what i call off-road it oh i'll just you know get all pissy and and, and remind them about what they said a million times like they're familiar with that it does not pay and i think that when we get really emotional in our job search you know we're not necessarily showing up at the best we can, because it just pulls so many buttons and pushes so many buttons, and then, you know, there can be some kind of not-so-happy remorse on the other side. I am so happy to see your face, Jenny Foss, and I know that you are having a super duper crazy summer. so thanks for joining <laughs> it's us been an and
2: adventure. <laughs>
1: Where can we find you? I know you're jobsearchjenny.com, but also, should we find you also on LinkedIn? So
2: it's job j- dot com, job J-O-B-J-E-N-N-Y. jobjenny.com, jobjenn Yes, Jenny, Jenny Foss on LinkedIn. And then if you just do a search on my name on LinkedIn Learning, you'll see all my courses. So those would be probably the the three most obvious places you see me hanging out yeah
1: and so also if you go to her website you can get her book we'll also include the link in the show notes for both her linkedin live learning and of course to buy this book because it's definitely it's in my library and it should be in yours so thank you for joining us and thank you listeners for being so great and so supportive in helping us grow this podcast and I cannot tell you how appreciative I am for each and every one of you. I appreciate all the reviews, the ratings, the whole enchilada. You guys have been just unbelievably generous. So have a great rest of your day and we'll real soon stay tuned for next
0: episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears big time. We ask this, use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love, leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.